you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. On today's episode, we're uh, releasing a little later here on Wednesday night, but we are going to start by talking about the Hall of Fame ballot, which was released earlier this week, the 2021 Major League Baseball Hall of Fame ballot with a lot of new names on it. We're going to talk about those new guys and who might make it into the Hall of Fame this year. And uh, then coming up after the break, we're going to look a little bit deeper into uh, the Orioles' decisions they have to make by Friday, putting some prospects onto the 40-man roster to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. Bob Fallon is going to join the podcast for his second appearance here on Locked on Orioles, and he's going to talk about which of these prospects he thinks the Orioles could add. Remember, they have 35 players right now on the 40-man roster. So all that's coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. So starting today, we wanted to talk about the Hall of Fame ballot for 2021. And there are a lot of new names on that list. So just to go through the names who appear on the ballot for the first time this year. You've got Mark Burley, the great left-handed pitcher. A.J. Burnett, who was almost an Oriole at one time and still does live in Maryland. Michael Kadire, who had that great career with the Rockies. Dan Heron is on the ballot uh, he had some good years and now is well-known for his Twitter account. Latroy Hawkins, who pitched for a whole lot of teams and pitched into his 40s out of the bullpen. Tim Hudson, who had a great career uh, with the Braves and the Giants, to name a few teams, the World Series champion. Torrey Hunter, an incredible outfielder with Minnesota and Detroit. Aramis Ramirez, remember him from third base in Milwaukee, kind of was the uh, compliment for a while to Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun. Uh, you've got Nick Swisher on the ballot this year. Hopefully no one votes for him. Shane Victorino, the flying Hawaiian star of the 2013 World Series for the Red Sox. And then Barry Zito, the left-hander for the Giants with one of the best curveballs you will ever see, is on the ballot this year as well. But we wanted to talk about the guys who might fall off and guys who might get in this year. Now, there actually was a list um, of guys who were eligible but did not make the ballot Grady Sizemore, Corey Hart, Adam LaRoche, Alex Rios, Dan Uglas, C.J. Wilson, Rafael Soriano, and Aaron Harang all did not make the ballot. And, and I got to say, just looking at that list, one switch I would make, get Dan Ugla on there, get Nick Swisher off there, if we're being honest here, and uh, maybe get Dan Heron off of there and, uh, and put Grady Sizemore on there, potentially. or Maybe even Rafael Soriano. Uh, but uh, this is what the ballot looks like. So looking at the full ballot with the players coming back onto the ballot and then the guys who are new, you know, the names that jump out to you first and foremost, uh, they got to get Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame. And I'm not sure if it'll happen, but looking at the ballot, you know, Bonds and Clemens stick out to me. Let's just say if I had a vote and I could pick 10 guys, Bonds, Clemens, both on that list for me. There's one and two. I'm putting Todd Helton on there as well for number three as he is back on the ballot this year. And I think he's going to eventually get in. I think it helped that Larry Walker got in last year for the uh, Coors effect. Uh, continuing my ballot, you know, I'm going to put Manny Ramirez in there. And some people, you know, put him in the PED category as well. Uh, that gets me to four. Sammy Sosa's going in there for me. That gets me to five. I think you can tell that uh, the PEDs do, do not affect what, what I'm going to do for my 
Hall of Fame voting. Um, you know, these guys change baseball for the better. And uh, that gets me up to five. Continue to look down the list. You know, a guy that maybe I don't think is a shoe-in Hall of Famer, but I would put Billy Wagner on there. You know, he's coming down to some of his last years on the ballot. Uh, I would I would give him a vote there as my sixth guy on the list. Then you continue to look. You know what? Andrew Jones gets a vote from me. Um, you know, some people are going to talk about his career getting cut a little short, uh, but I'm putting him in there as number seven. Torrey Hunters will make my list at number eight. And this is kind of a provisional list as I just look at the ballot, not diving into a lot of the numbers to do this, but this is kind of the first look who I would put there. That's eight. You know, I don't want to waste a vote for guys for the Hall of Fame. Uh, so with two spots left on this list, you know, you, you kind of look through who is left. Gary Sheffield is going to get on there as well. That is number nine. And then, you know, the last piece becomes tough. I honestly put Mark Burley on there as number 10 out of those guys. You know, he had some great moments in his career, had a long career. Um, and and for Mark Burley, you know, I'm not sure if he will be a Hall of Famer, uh, but I think he definitely could get a shot uh, to be in the Hall. So that's what the ballot looks like. Of course, if you want to follow all the voting, uh, Ryan Thibodeau on Twitter is, of course, the best follow. Uh, he is the guy that tracks the Hall of Fame ballots. Uh, he's got a tracker team with him, but uh, he is at not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter. That's at N-O-T-M-R-T-I-B-B-S on Twitter. He is a must-follow all year round, but especially at this time uh, when the ballots come out for the first time. And uh, yeah, you know, follow him. And uh, those would be my 10 guys. So once again, I'd, I'd put Bonds, Burley, Clemens, Helton, Hunter, Jones, Manny Ramirez, Sheffield, Sosa, and Wagner on my Hall of Fame ballot if I uh, was allowed to vote, which I uh, do not have at the moment. But that's how the ballot looks, and it'll be exciting to uh, see how it breaks down. But coming up next on the pod, we go back to the Orioles. And, you know, for the O's coming this Friday across Major League Baseball, it is the deadline to add prospects to the 40-man roster who you want to protect from the Rule 5 draft, which comes up in December. And the Orioles have a lot of good prospects who are going to be eligible for that draft this year, and they currently have 35 players on their 40-man roster, which gives them the five open spots. Now, I talked on Monday's episode about how there are really three probably stone-cold locks. I felt like Yusniel Diaz, Michael Bauman, and Zach Lowther were three stone-cold locks that had to be added that will be. So that puts the Orioles at 38 with two open spots left. So who would be added after that? There's a pool of about 10 prospects after that that you could pick from. And so after the break, Bob Fallon is going to join us. He is one of the co-hosts of the BSL On The Verge podcast over at Baltimore Sports and Life covering all things Orioles minor leagues. And Bob hops back on the pod with us after the break talk about who he thinks will be added to that 40-man roster by Friday and a good discussion about what the 40-man will look like and, and maybe if the Orioles you know, have to uh, get rid of somebody who is already on that 40-man uh, or a couple guys to make room for some of these prospects. So that comes up with Bob Fallon of the BSL On The Verge podcast after this break. Built Bar has come back even better. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, well, now it has even more flavors that make it taste even better than it already did. They've got new flavors like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and carrot cake, uh, that kind of stuff. You know, you start thinking about uh, uh, fall flavors, the, those fit right in right there for 
Built Bar. They've still got the 12 original flavors like peanut butter, mint brownie, and toffee almond, but the bars still covered 100% in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. But they don't just taste great, they're also good for you. That's the best part about Built Bar as well. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for a keto diet as well. You talk about the peanut butter bar, it's got 19 grams of protein and just 180 calories while only 5 grams of sugar. This bar is delicious and good for you as well. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. So we welcome in Bob Phelan back to the podcast. He is, of course, one of the co-hosts of the BSL On The Verge podcast over at Baltimore Sports and Life, and he joins Locked On Orioles once again. Bob, first of all, thank you so much uh, for coming back on the pod. Always enjoy talking to you. And so we, uh, we have you on to talk about, well, what is the biggest week so far of the Orioles offseason um, and what's going to be definitely the biggest week for some of the Orioles um, more well-known prospects, uh, at least the guys who have you know been in Bowie and above uh, really back in 2019. And that is because uh, Friday is the deadline, as we record this on Wednesday night, Friday the deadline to protect players on the 40-man roster who are eligible for the Rule 5 draft this year. And back on my episode on Monday, I kind of gave three names who I thought were absolute locks, no question about it. So I want to get your thoughts first on these three guys and if you feel the same. I felt like Yusniel Diaz, Zach Lowther, and Michael Bauman were my three stone-cold, no chance Michael Elias does anything else but protect them, and I wanted to see if, if you agreed with that. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. These guys are probably guys who you would have seen in 2020 if it would have been a regular season by the end of the year. So, yeah, these guys are all top 15 at worst prospects for the team, and I see no way that they get left off. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, it's pretty much – decided that that's going to happen and we can kind of like move on from those guys in the conversation because I don't even want to like think there's a speculation that it could be crazy enough that they'd be gone because you know these these three guys are all top 11 prospects for the Orioles on MLB.com and so you know Diaz being the the you know top of the Manny Machado trade as well um, you've got to keep these guys and it's a good point you made you know if there's September call-ups at the very least in 2020 and a full season, you probably see all three of those guys. And there's a good chance we see all of them at Camden Yards in 2021. But I wanted to kind of get to, you know, that next group of guys, whether it's, you know, four or five more guys who are eligible for uh, that Rule 5 draft, and some guys who have been eligible in the past and others who it's their first year. Um, but but I wanted to start uh, with a guy whose name was tossed around a little bit this year just because of the Orioles' infield struggles. Uh, and that was Ryland Bannon, who was also a player um, in that Manny Machado deal. I would call him at this point probably the number three piece uh, behind Diaz and Kramer that the Orioles got in that deal. Uh, but at least uh, at this point, it, you know, it feels like he's eligible this year and he's getting fairly close to the majors. So, you know, kind of what's the uh, d- defense of putting him on the 40 man roster by Friday? Well, you, if you read The Athletic, Dan Connolly gave you the defense of why they might leave him off. But I just happen to completely disagree with Connolly there and say that this is a guy who you want to add to the 40-man because at worst, he's going to give you a decent bat off the bench, a utility guy that can play second or third base 
pretty decently with the glove. But to me, he's just a bridge from the Hanser Albertos and Rio Ruizes of the world until you get to your Jordan Westberg, uh, Taron Vavra, you know, that next group. So to me, he's a guy that Elias is going to want to keep in his pre-arbitration years. I don't know if he'll be around for the six or seven years that he'll have with team control. But again, he's another guy that might have seen in 2020 if it was a full season. Yeah, and he feels like a guy who, you know, he's he's not among those, you know, stone cold lock guys that I mentioned. He's not a pitcher as well, which is where the Orioles are stronger. Um, it seems at least depth wise uh, among these guys we're going to talk about. Um, but Bannon gives you that option, and you know, if you do decide that a guy who's going to lose a spot could be a guy like Hanser Alberto because of the arbitration money he might be due. Well, there's your perfect segue into at least your replacement in 2021. You've already picked up Yomer Sanchez, and now you have the guy to back those guys up and compete with Rio. Um, and that would be a guy like Ryland Bannon. Do you think, you know, if we see that addition and we don't see Hanser removed and it's past Friday, do you think if the two of those guys are still on the 40 man that they're still you know, some uh, some worry that Hanser could be moved or or non-tendered down the road? I I wouldn't worry too much about Alberto being non-tendered, at least this offseason. I could see it definitely in the next year or two. To me, Renato Nunez is the guy that would be non-tendered this offseason. But I just think Rio Ruiz, I think he's proven by now. He's really not the answer, even though he improved a little bit from 2018 to 2019. But between Bannon and Alberto and some of the other guys you have, you can at least put together a decent infield between second and third base. So when I said Bannon was the number three piece in the Machado trade, you did make a little face. And I'm going to go to the next guy who, if you're not going to say Bannon, you'll definitely say this guy would be the the guy that would take that spot. And that would be Zach Pop. And I think the only reason why I don't have him at three, because I feel like he's kind of more of a of a mystery because he hasn't pitched in such a long time. Uh, that, that, you know, I feel like the next time we see him pitch, he could be a, a completely different guy. We just don't know. But it sounds like he's healthy um, after the arm injury. And he's another guy who's going to be available. Now, the big question for him is how much does the injury play into the Orioles, you know, conversation and, and ultimate decision on him this week? Yeah, that is the unknown. But to me, he's the clear number three. I mean, he, what, he had Tommy John. So, you know, that's an injury or surgery that a lot of pitchers come back from normal. Clearly, you have to go through spring training and make sure that that's the case. But to me, the upside is just an elite closer. I mean, clearly, the most likely outcome is just a bull, bullpen guy in some regard or another. But to me, he has some pretty top end talent if he reaches his peak and can get back healthy. Uh, he's got a weird arm slot. He throws incredibly hard. Um, yeah, I just I'm a big fan of his. So to me. Elias is a guy that's going to do everything he can to keep a talent like that from getting taken away for nothing. So the next guy I wanted to talk about quickly, and it sounds like so far we've we've said, you know, five names and and you're keeping them all to this point. It sounds like. Yeah, so far I am. And uh, yeah. So the next name I want to get to um, is a guy who. I think a lot of people throw in with Zach Lowther, a couple of lefties, you know, bigger looking guys, um, not going to flame throw the ball past you um, and of similar age. But Alex Wells is a guy who I think is maybe on a next rung. Um, but, you know, we've always heard that he impresses everyone for the stuff that he has. And so the question is, is Wells 
major league ready enough where another team would scoop him up in the rule five draft. Yeah. See, this is the guy that's on the borderline for me. Um, we just recorded a podcast on the verge for Baltimore sports and life radio. And I was the only one that kept Alexander Wells on the 40 man roster. But to me, he's just a guy, he doesn't have the best stuff in the world, but he's had success throughout the minor leagues outside of Frederick. He had a little bit of a blip on the radar. He works fast. He's got a nice mix of pitches. Um, he just has great control. He doesn't walk batters. He doesn't strike out a lot either. But to me, he's just a guy that a team could take and hide in their bullpen. He's versatile enough to spot start or just come in late in a blowout. And we don't really know what next season is going to look like as far as roster construction. Maybe, again, at the start of next year, there'll be 30 people. And that just makes it even easier to stash him. So to me, I think as a guy that's in your top 30 prospects, you don't want to you know, lose him. So I'm putting him on. There's plenty of guys that the Orioles have right now in the 40 man roster that I think could easily be taken off uh, in his stead. Yeah. We're going to get to that at the end, but, but one more guy I wanted to bring up and then I'm going to let you uh, throw in any more names that you want to. Um, I think not that he's the forgotten name in this list, but actually that, that might be the, the way to describe it just because no one's ever seen him pitch in the Orioles system. Um, and that's Isaac Matson, who came over uh, in the Dylan Bundy trade from the Angels. And that might be the reason why he slips people's minds, because he's on your mind this time last year when the Orioles are getting him from Anaheim. But now all of a sudden you realize, oh, we've we've never seen him. But now we have to make this big decision. And uh, this seems like the one where uh, at least, you know, people covering the Orioles probably have the less the least amount of insight into what they're going to do just because we haven't seen him. And so for Matson, he seems like a guy who's almost major league ready. Do you put him on that list of he's definitely going to be kept? Yeah, I think he's a lock. I just think this is a guy that he reached AAA in 2019. He was striking out guys all throughout that year at three levels. He was I was actually surprised he didn't uh, pitch for the Orioles this year, but I guess they just the bullpen was doing so well that they he never got a chance. But he was at the alternate roster during the summer. I just think this is a guy that Elias targeted in that trade, maybe not the top prize, as we see Kyle Bradish shoot up prospect ranks uh, this offseason, but he's a guy that at least could be like, uh, who's the guy we traded for from Atlanta? Um, Evan Phillips, you know, he's in that Cody Carroll. Yeah, they didn't work out maybe, but another guy that he's got a live arm could could help you in the bullpen for sure. Yeah, and, and you know what? Worst comes to worst, if he does become an Evan Phillips or a Cody Carroll, we've seen that the Orioles have been able to keep those guys in their organization, even if they end up off the 40 man at some point. Um, but, but yeah, Matson's interesting as well. And you mentioned, you know, it's a good point that, you know, it felt like so many relievers kind of surprised probably Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde this year that I'm sure Matson was in those plans and they, he, they just never really got the opportunity. So before we kind of get to who gets taken off the 40 man roster, who's on it right now, I know there's a couple other names who are eligible this year, and they're maybe not the most major league ready guys. But but is there anyone else we haven't mentioned who you feel like you know might be worthy of of conversation here? I do think there's one sleeper, one dark horse who I do not think it's likely that he gets added to the forty man. But just from the reports I saw over the summer, and the way the forty man roster is constructed right now, I would not be shocked. And that's Brett Cumberland, who's a catcher prospect who. He's not known for his glove so much. He's a bat-first catcher who gets on base at a pretty good rate. I think he had a 14% walk rate as an Oriole throughout the minor leagues. He doesn't have a lot of at-bats, but 
He has raw power that hasn't exactly translated into games. But the reason I'm saying this is because it seemed like any time you got a report out of the alternate camp, he was a name that was mentioned that was impressing people. And the only catchers on the 40-man roster right now are Chancisco, Pedro Severino, of course, but Austin Wins, who did not get into a game for the 2020 season and was seen to be passed by Brown, Brian Holiday and Taylor Davis and those types. So I just don't think there's any way that he makes it through this offseason on the 40-man roster. And if they want to have a third catcher on the 40-man, why not Cumberland? Yeah, that, that's the thing, you know, especially if those rosters are expanded next year like we've talked about. There's probably going to be three catchers on pretty much every roster like the Orioles kept all of this year. And you mentioned him. You know, we don't know how how good Cumberland's going to be, but all he has to do is jump, as you said, Austin wins, who probably should have been with the Orioles had he been performing to a level they thought he could. Uh, Taylor Davis, who, you know, we're not really sure, and whatever veteran minor league signing they probably bring into spring training. And so Cumberland's got to jump any of those guys to at least get time and, you know, show the Orioles that, you know, I'm another candidate for Adley's backup um, is basically what these guys are, are shooting for going into 2022. And and he's definitely a name on the radar now. I wouldn't put him on my list, but he, he's definitely in there for sure where the Orioles, they feel like he's as valuable as a catcher. They may not want to lose him. So, you know, we, we look at numbers. The Orioles currently have 35 players on the 40-man roster. So five open spots going into Friday. And of course, you know, you want to do some jostling down the road. You usually want to have a spot open when the Rule 5 draft comes around if you want to pick a player as well. But right now, you know, of that group, give us the the actual number of guys that you would add. And then, you know, tell me the, you know, whatever it would be, one or two or more names that you think are going to be gone by Friday. Yeah, so the guys I'm, I would add personally is Yusniel Diaz, Michael Bauman, Zach Lothar, Rylan Bannon, Isaac Matson, Zach Pop, and Alexander Wells. Pretty nice crop to add to your 40-man in an offseason. Orioles haven't had that luxury in a while. But that would leave 42. So I, I would get rid of maybe three or four just to be safe in case you want to pick someone on Rule 5 or sign a veteran, something like that. So I'm getting rid of Cole Saucer, Thomas Eshelman, because I think Alexander Wells could basically be a left-handed version of him. And I think there's a chance you could keep these guys in the organization. Also... Travis Lakin Sr., I think, is a guy you could DFA, and Austin wins. And I also think Pat Vileka and Hinata Nunez are candidates to be non-tendered. And, of course, you could always release Chris Davis, but I don't see that happening. That's that's like the thing you have to put at the end of all these sentences. Like, hey, you know you guys could also just release Chris Davis. <laughs> um, but, but we will see. You know, as I look at it, you know, the guys that, that I have on mine uh, for now, you know, I mentioned the the three, you know, stone cold locks I had earlier in the week, Lowther, Bauman, um, and Neil Diaz. I, I'm putting Matson in there. And, you know, I think there's a little question of would someone take pop after that injury? So I think that puts a little bit of a question mark, but it feels like the Orioles are pretty high on him and I'm going to put him in there as well. That, that puts it at five for me. And then, to be honest with you, I think I would put Bannon in, and I think I might leave Wells out at six. Uh, I'm going to take two players off at least to, to get me back down to 39. And so, I mean, the first place I look is Cole Salser, and uh, that's going to be the first move. And then, to be honest, you know, it, it does get a little tougher after that because, you know, there's some things you like about all the rest of these players. But I have a feeling that even if Cumberland isn't added, I feel like Austin wins could be that next name 
because, I mean, we talked about it. If he was at least to the level that the Orioles thought they had in 18 and 19, you got to think he's taken Brian Holiday's spot at least last year, and, and that just wasn't the case. Yeah, can't disagree with that at all. I just, I'm actually shocked that he's still on the yeah. 40 man roster at this point. So, good call. So it's it's going to be an interesting week. The Orioles have until Friday um, to make this call, and it will uh, it will definitely be interesting. And now you know we look at at all these guys, and you know we definitely say Lowther, Bauman, um, Diaz, and and you probably add add Matson and and Pop as well. And then the the conversation gets a little harder. You know, of these guys we talk about behind, you know those those. Three big locks, I would say. Maybe add Matson to that as as the four guys: Bauman, Lowther, uh, Diaz, and Matson. You know, who of that next list do you think you know really makes an impact for the Orioles next year? Because w- once these guys are on the forty-man roster, you know, these guys like Bannon, these guys like Pop, potentially um, an Alex Wells or a Cumberland, who can make the most impact and and show out that that was a good decision by the Orioles next season. To me. If Zach Pop can prove that he's healthy and back to where he was before his injury, he could be the closer by the end of 2021. So to me, that's a name, I think. And he's got a great name, by the way. Zach Pop, that's great for a reliever. So, yeah, he's a guy I think you want to keep your eyes open for in 2021. Fingers crossed that he's healthy and he's raring to go. I think you're definitely going to see a lot of Pop jerseys being sold in, in Birdland. Yeah, that's the hope. The, the The rest of the names, you know, just a couple more names that that will be eligible, you know, guys like Mason McCoy um, and Cody Sedlock, a couple more names there. I, I wouldn't expect either of them to be added. Sedlock was uh, eligible last year, obviously was not added. And, and McCoy, you know, essentially it feels like the more shortstops the Orioles are drafting, the more McCoy kind of falls down um, that list for Baltimore. But Bob, thank you so much for joining us. It's a lot to sort out. It's almost just like, you know, how much can we talk about it more until the Orioles just make these moves and then uh, we, we can get back to it after Friday. But uh, thank you so much. Make sure to check out his podcast uh, on the verge over at Baltimore sports and life. Uh, we broke this down pretty well here. You're going to get triple that information um, on their pod that, that I know they've recorded tonight and will be out this week as well. So uh, thanks a lot, Bob, for coming on. Oh, I really appreciate you having me on Connor. Yeah. We talked over an hour about this stuff. So yeah, if you enjoyed this, check out the more in-depth uh, conversation over there. So our thanks again to Bob Phelan of BSL On The Verse, co-host of that podcast over there. Again, a great pod you can listen to. Uh, find it wherever you get this podcast and uh, listen to some uh, Orioles minor league talk. They'll have a uh, new episode coming out this week as well. But we thank Bob for joining us and and a lot of uh, tough decisions coming for the Orioles by Friday. Uh, what they want to do with the 40-man roster. Hell, by the time you listen to this, uh, Mike Elias could have already made some or all of those decisions. But we will definitely see what he wants to do with all those spots. And uh, if guys like Renato Nunez, Hanser, Alberto, and others are uh, in danger of being moved off the 40-man roster in the next couple of days, we should have a lot to talk about. Uh, and if there is a lot to talk about like that, we'll be back with you tomorrow to break down all the moves if the Orioles make them. Um, if it's a quiet day for the Orioles tomorrow, uh, we will continue our look at the top 10 moves of the last decade by the O's, but uh, some roster moves or at least some uh, additions to the 40-man roster should be coming up later this week, and we'll have all the coverage right here for you on Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.